A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. on the gig then. Remember, you wanted this. Welcome to Screen Perspectives, a podcast produced by the Pittsburgh Film Office to share how people build successful careers in the screen industry, be it film, TV, streaming, etc. Screen Perspectives was born out of many conversations with industry professionals, sometimes over dinner, sometimes over drinks, and a lot of times driving around looking at the wonderful diversity of locations in the southwestern Pennsylvania region. Thousands of people make their living in the film, TV, streaming business, which is nationally an over $28 billion a year industry. Locally, it is responsible for over $150 million in new money to the southwestern Pennsylvania region's economy. There really is no direct pathway to success in this industry. It's a lot of hard work, networking, and you have to account for a little bit of luck to be successful. The Pittsburgh Film Office is excited to share these amazing individual stories with you so you can learn how they did it and determine your best path forward. Screen Perspectives is hosted by me, Don Kieser, Executive Director of the Pittsburgh Film Office, and the incredible Kevin Smith, screenwriter and screenwriting instructor at the University of Pittsburgh. Our guest on today's podcast is Jay Rowey, Senior Vice President of Production at HBO. Jay Rowey's extensive experience in the entertainment industry ranges from news, documentaries, music videos, concerts, and commercials to television movies, miniseries, and theatrical releases. At HBO, he manages the physical production planning of HBO and HBO Max films, limited series, and the scripted series filmed all over the world. Jay is a longtime supporter of the Southwestern Pennsylvania Pittsburgh region's film industry. We are thrilled to learn more about his journey. Thank you for listening. about what it means to be the senior vice president of production at HBO. Well, right now in this day and age, um, I, I have a very, very unique position. Uh, having grown up as a line producer behind the camera, um, everything from a sound man and a cameraman doing news early in my career to music videos, um, and then joining HBO uh, in 1994 as the head of production for the film unit, uh, I now specialize uh, working across all of HBO, HBO Max, uh, and also trying to help all of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery with global incentives. In other words, where in the world is the best to film your series, your documentary, your reality program? Um, and as what comes with that are relationships with governments all around the world. So I've taken my production background and as these incentives over the last 20 years have become such an important part of our industry with, uh, we estimate somewhere between 10 to $15 billion every year in incentives globally. Um, I'm a guide and a, a, a helping hand um, with all of our producers, production candidates to figure out where we're gonna shoot the next season of anything from the White Lotus 
to uh, House of Dragon um, or Succession. That sounds so fun and exciting. Obviously, never a dull moment. You have all these things in your background, like you said, that have really added to what you do now. Can you name two or three of the things in your background from your line producing, which was phenomenal, and your co-producing? And Can you name two or three of the things that you sit there and go, boy, if I didn't have that, I'd be in trouble? Um, I think there's two or three things in terms of my background, which allow me and have, have, have kind of, which is that have allowed me to do what I do now. One, um, I was a musician. Our group is a musician and playing as a musician. And the joy of that was collaborating with people. I enjoy the collaborative process. I enjoy the interaction with smart, intelligent, highly talented, highly motivated people. And to create great music, that's what it took. And when we were all in sync on stage performing, it was great. If we were not getting along with each other and didn't know why we were there, the music wouldn't sound very good. And so as a metaphor, um, I brought that into my production world. And I think there's two key things for me at this point in terms of my background. One, I grew up in the trenches. I grew up as a sound man, as a cameraman. I probably worked uh, you know, at least 30, 40% of the positions on the crew I've done at one point in my career. I've done craft service. I've been a PA. I've worked in the art department. I've worked in the electric department. I've worked in the grip department. I was a DP. I was an assistant cameraman. I was a, a you know, a loader. Um, I, I've, I've actually acted. I've actually directed. I've produced. So I've, I've been very involved with the process, which gives me a lot of instincts about what it, what, what the machine is all about. The other thing, which I do think is key is I was a line producer. And so as a line producer, what is that? You are at the heart and center of a project. And the, 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 you know, somebody had never line produced before. Well, what does a line producer do? Okay. Somebody hands you a script. If you have, if it's that kind of producing, or it's simply an idea and they're going to ask you, okay, how much is this going to cost? And then you have to put a budget together and then you say it's going to cost $10 million. Great. Then they're going to hand you $10 million and your entire career life is dependent on you doing that for $10 million. Mm -hmm. And you either make it happen or you don't. And if you don't, you know what? You're probably going to get hired next time. And if you do, somebody's going to hire you again. And that's, that's kind of, it's kind of ruthless to, to say that, but you either make it happen or you don't. And our business is pretty ruthless that way. Yeah. So now it may cost more than $10 million and there's reasons for it, but then you tell people ahead of time that it's going to cost $10.5 million and you go get an overage or you tell somebody so they're not surprised and they go, okay, I understand. Right. Yeah. What they don't want to hear is that, well, it was going to cost $10 million. You finish it and say, well, I actually cost $11 million. What, what, well, what, how, what about that other million dollars? And then they're going to be quite upset at you. Yeah. Right. And so if you've ever line produced, it's, it's standing in the middle of the, you know, the firestorm and it just keeps coming at you. But, you know, you're also in the middle of it. So you get to see every element and what you're trying to do and the way we always described and I as a line producer and even at HBO, you know, as a line producer, you're trying and, and as a producer, you're trying to, for me, at least the paradigm and I think for HBO, you're trying to create a great environment where great artists can do great work. And what does that mean? It means that when the actor 
stands in front of the camera, all they have to think about is acting. They're not worried about what they're getting paid. They're not worrying about what the where the location is, what they're going to eat. You know, they can complete. An artist needs to be able to focus to create his art. And so, as a producer, you're creating the environment, which in this case, you're figuring out where on the planet you're supposed to shoot, right? So that you can have enough money to do a good, high quality production. And you're, you know, you're not in a snowstorm unless the script calls for that like we did with our most recent True Detective season four, where we, it was supposed to take place in Alaska. So we ended up in Iceland because people in Iceland know how to shoot at, you know, in the winter better than anybody else basically on the planet. So that's why we went to Iceland. But you're trying to go there and, and do that. So the line producing, and, and anybody who's ever been a line producer with any level of success, you just, you kind of know, okay, they, they know how to make it happen. And one, one very, very quick story um, and Dawn, I don't think you were with us, but we had an AFCI symposium in St. Petersburg, um, 2018, and and I I'd, I'd filmed in Russia in the late 80s. I went over there with Billy Joel and Billy Crystal. And all of a sudden, I was getting calls about becoming like the guy in Russia. And that's really what I didn't really want to spend the rest of my career shooting in Russia. <laughs> Not that I, you know, but I, you know, I made it happen. So great as a line producer. And then shooting there was, was never been easy. But anyway, I was in St. Petersburg and there, we were over there with AFCI and they're having a symposium. And uh, there was a gentleman who ran some film studios in St. Petersburg. And he invited me in and they have basically was doing all this Russian TV shows. But, you know, it's regular just like your stages stages anywhere and they had their tv shows going on in their prop department and so on and so forth and then he took me on a tour of st petersburg and i hadn't been there since the late 80s and it was just to see how things have changed it was spectacular but point of the story was we were chatting and i was impressed with him like he seemed to really know what was going on he said oh i was a line producer i go oh okay that explains it right <laughs> he knew exactly what i needed to see the day was super organized. We walk over, we're in a helicopter. He shows me around the town, then I'm in a boat. I was like, I saw St. Petersburg in four hours the way that you would only dream of seeing. I mean, I saw, you know, I got a great, unbelievable, but he was a line producer. And once you have line producer stripes, it's like you, nobody will ever take them away from you. You've made some incredible projects. And I love, I, I, it's funny, I just learned some insight with your, like you said, this music documentary that you did at BU. Now, when I see your work, I love some of these projects. Uh, Madonna's Truth or Dare, which is a legendary project. People think that being a star is about being fabulous, being in the spotlight, having your picture taken all the time and having everyone worship and adore you. Being rich, 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 having it all. And you know what? They're absolutely right. I'm so desperate. For what, honey? For some fun. And Def Leppard, Rock of Ages. Oh, 
I'll say the truth of dare. What was interesting about truth of dare at the time, and I think this is also really important about the creative process, it utilized my documentary background. It, it took advantage of my music video background. It took advantage of my feature background. It took advantage of my passion for music, right? When these things start to, to get into your process, how can you not be excited? It was also probably one of the most hardest projects I've ever done. One of the most stressful things I've ever done. You know, when Madonna calls you up on Sunday morning at your house and, 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 and reads, Jay, how you doing? Uh, okay, I need you to take care of these seven things today, Sunday morning. You know, and it's like, okay, Madonna, whatever you want. Boom. You know, you, you Can make you it call happen. her today? Do you still have her number? No, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> you know, it's it's the, the fun part of this. The fun part of this journey is you get to work really closely with people. You become family for periods of time. And then you know what? The tribe, you go off into the next tribe and you join the next wandering tribe, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, hopefully you get to work with some wonderful people during that period of time. And, you know, forever indebted to Madonna and forever I've worked with, I've gotten to work with some of the top people in the film business. So I just feel, I feel blessed to have been able to experience and be around many of these people and contribute in some way to the creative process. But, um, you know, we're all, we're all on our own, everybody's on their own journey. So it's, you know, we all come together and do great work and then we, we, we all evolve. I have to tell you, all serious, one of the hardest work ethics you've ever met. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's, you know, I, I've worked in the music business, around the music business a lot. And Madonna is the antithesis of the flaky, you know, I mean, this is one, one of the hardest working people I ever met. You know, we were on tour with her, never drank one drop of liquor. I mean, she was funding the whole documentary. She made decisions, decisive decisions, left and right. She would stick her neck out. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, and, you know, many things have been said about her and so on. I only, I, this is one hard, she's, she's earned every, every bit of success that she's had. And, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't make, we, we don't have friends all along the way. And sometimes you have to make tough decisions, but you make, you have to make decisions. And so I respect people that make hard decisions and she's incredible. Incredible. Well, that's great. I, I want to go back real quick. Miniseries uh, division in 2000 that you oversaw, right? You had these wonderful miniseries, but let me ask you, what was your influences? Cause right away, I always think of what I grew up with uh, from rich man, poor man, the original to, uh, to roots, to you name it. Uh, what were your influences in that realm that gave you a solid background? Because again, your work is extraordinary. Well, again, I think once you're in production, then there's different genres of different styles, right? Whether it be news or industrials or music videos or commercials or movies or a low budget movie or a middle mo budget movie. And, you know, what is a miniseries? Limited series, I like to call them that. It's an extended movie. Right. So really, and, and that's what's so wonderful about today and I think this is really important when you have a, an idea or a project to do is, is you should be placing that subject matter in the format that works for that subject, right? And what's so wonderful about the limited series are these are stories often, and most recently of the one I'm really enjoying right now on HBO is this Love or Death 
uh, that David Kelly write with Leslie Gladder with Elizabeth Olsen. Man, they get to go to their jobs. We just stay home and, God, that's supposed to be enough. You always want more. Oh. You do, Candy. Whatever you have, you always want more. And I'm not going to apologize for it. It is human nature to go for something with a little thrill at the risk of falling. Oh. Are you okay? I'm fine. Are you sure? Would you be interested in having an affair? And, you know, true crime. I'm not a big true crime guy. This is so well done. But it's not, to tell that story in two hours, probably not enough. And, you know, Angels in America or John Adams, you try and take these stories and and mush them into two hours, There's you're missing things, right? And Queen's Gambit, with all respect, and it's not HBO, oh, but still, so you know, a great piece of programming. Men are going to come along and want to teach you things. Doesn't make them any smarter. You just let them blow by, and you go on ahead and do just what and how you feel like. Someday you're going to be all alone. So you need to figure out how to take care of yourself. So what's wonderful, and, and look, and even the limited series, it's sometimes four hours, five hours, six hours, seven. It should it should be in the format that works to tell the story, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's what's so wonderful about that. And I think that that heyday, whether it be Band of Brothers, this is not Dog Company, this is not Fox Company, this this is Easy Company. And under my command, this will be the first and finest company in this regiment. Why are you here, Private Gordon? I want to be in the Airborne, sir! Or Angels in America, or John Adams, and so on and so forth. You know, it was taking these stories and, and, and giving them the format in which to tell a rich story that needs more than two hours. Taking nothing away against a great two-hour movie. But, you know, I grew up like, grew up, you know, when I was in college, to talk about the two-hour feature film. That was the pinnacle. And now it's about, you know, find the, there's so many palettes in our, in our yeah. uh, production process to find that. And that was the fun part with HBO. I went from movies and then miniseries and then scripted series as the business was evolving. And so I got to evolve with that. And that was fascinating to, to evolve. And so now there's no format I haven't really played around with at some point in my career, which is why I can talk to a reality person. I can talk to a documentary person. I can talk to a movie person. You know, I, I get it. I know what you're trying to do. I understand. So how do we work together? How do we find the right place for you to go and make your great piece of art? You've been listening to episode 19 of Screen Perspectives. Screen Perspectives is hosted by Don Keezer and Kevin Smith. Produced and engineered by Max Glider, Isaiah Stewart, and Jennifer Booker. Music by Isaiah Stewart. Special thanks to today's guest, Jay Rowey, the Pittsburgh Film Office, and to the University of Pittsburgh. Screen Perspectives is a production of the Pittsburgh Film Office.